1: Hello welcome to a brand new Arsecast, right here on arseblog.oleole.com. Welcome as well to the first interlull of the brand new season. Sweet joy. We all love the interlull, and here it is, the very first one. I know people spoke about the international games in the week leading up to the start of the season, but there was no season to lull at that stage. It hadn't started. It has now, and we are 100% officially lulled. So all we can do is try and pass the time as best we can and pray to whatever God we believe in and make sacrifices that our players come back injury-free from their games and travels. What sort of sacrifices? That's up to you. You might decide, well, I'm not going to drink any beer or I'm going to find a Phil Collins fan and take him to a stone altar and eviscerate him with a dagger made from the spine of a dolphin, to each their own. But whatever gets our players home safe and sound. Uh, It's a quite annoyingly timed interlull too, because we had that great result against Blackburn. And it it gives you the sort of confidence that you want the next game to come as quickly as possible. You don't want an international break uh, to sort of uh, uh, disrupt the rhythm, so to speak, if you can get rhythm after just three games in the season. But it was an encouraging win uh, against Blackburn. We coped with their physical onslaught and It was, particularly in the first 20 minutes or so. Long throws and free kicks and corners, and they did look dangerous at times. But for the most part, we coped pretty well. Funny to watch Andy Gray on Sky talk about Arsenal's passing and moving and how quick and nice it was, and, and then saying, and you look at the way Blackburn play, with their hoofing it 70 yards from the goalkeeper, who's taking free kicks from just inside the Blackburn half, and hoofing it into the Arsenal box, and... Uh, Trying to hit the big man and foul players and the goalkeeper and hoping the ref doesn't see, you know, it's yin and yang. But it's very hard to reconcile that side of Blackburn's game with good football or what what might make the Premier League great, as he said. I'm not sure there's anything particularly great about that part of Blackburn's game. When they do get it on the ground, they're not half bad. We saw that. But their goal, we did make it a bit easy for them, but uh, never mind. It was an encouraging result, and uh, it's good that the team withstood that physical battle and came through it without conceding a goal um, to a corner or to one of those long free kicks. I think I prefer the goal we conceded to, uh, to it going the other way, because uh, people would go on and on and on about Arsenal's weaknesses in that area. So uh, it was good to see, and three points, and stick it up your hole, Sam Allardyce. And the Blackburn fans, we don't like them. Uh, We can talk a little bit more about uh, the other stuff that's happened this week, which is the old transfer window closing and the the lack of a goalkeeper coming in, which has uh, upset a great many people. We'll talk about that in a a few moments' time, and I'll introduce the people who we're going to talk to about it. Uh, But just to give you a a quick sum of what happened in the rest of the week, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's my 22nd rounder. Blackburn away. Go on, Theo. Fuck off, youth, you scabby-looking cunt. And bring your twin brother with you. Nice one, Andre. Three points. The transfer window's closing. We better buy a keeper. Schwarz is brilliant, you know. And is shy. So's Fabianski. Oh, this is making me cross. Come on, sign a keeper. Any keeper. I don't care. We need a keeper. We've got to get a keeper. The window's closed. No
2: keeper. Banger. Whoa!
1: And the internet was, it has to be said, a very grumpy and angst-filled place this week in the wake of No Keeper Gate. Maybe we should call it Schwarzer Gate. I don't know. But all I do know is that anything big and bad that happens has to be assigned the suffix gate. You know, like Watergate, or Spygate, or Nannygate, or Gate. or John Terry likes to have sex with ponies before he kills them and feasts on their innards gate. You get the idea. But the world was a very unhappy place when we didn't sign a goalkeeper. When we failed to bring in a 37-year-old who was about to retire next season anyway, the world was a terrible place. And more importantly than the world, the internet was a terrible, unhappy place. And more important than the internet, the Arsenal blogosphere which as we all know is the center of our known universe uh, you know i don't want to be the one to have to prove galileo wrong here but
2: uh, that's that's just what
1: it is that was a terrible sad distraught unhappy place because we didn't sign a keeper understandable in in many ways uh but with me now to discuss that and and many other things because normally at the start of a season we do a, a sort of a round table season preview uh, Ars well, we, we decided this season it would be better to wait till the transfer window was closed and we could get a better idea of the squad and all that. And with me to talk about everything from the goalkeeping to Sesc Fabregas to the makeup of the squad in general and the ambitions and potential of this team, uh, I'm pleased to welcome some really great bloggers. Uh, first up, the man from East Lour. Hello there. Hello. We've got good player, a noisy good player. Hello. virtual uh, <laughs> <Gilberto laughs> Silver from GunnerVlog.com. Hello there. Hi there. And uh, the one and only Gunnar Holick.
3: Hello there, Blogs. Hello, everybody.
1: Uh, let's, let's start where I think everybody would expect us to start, and that's the, the goalkeeping situation. Um, there's not much point in, in stating the fact in that he hasn't bought a goalkeeper. Um, could anybody, uh, and maybe I'll put this to you, um, Gunnar Holick, can you think of any reason why he hasn't bought one?
3: Well, I can think of a couple. Uh, The obvious ones are that I think everybody knows or it's so strong a rumour that he was after Mark Schwarzer. It's pretty clear that up until the weekend, something seems to have been in place there. The injury to Stockdale that was suddenly announced on Sunday, I think, was almost the final nail in the coffin. And, of course, what happened yesterday with Fulham not able to bring anybody in uh, probably saw the end of the deal as such. Uh, not that it was one that I was particularly sad that we lost, but yeah, you can see that. I think there was another one, another deal in the offing that I would have preferred that would have seen Stecklenberg from Ajax coming to us. But I think the moment that they qualified for the Champions League, that became a no go as well. Mm. So the people who are upset have to remember that. All right, yes, we've had the summer to buy a goalkeeper but you have to have someone wanting to sell you one in that time. And I think probably we put all our eggs into two baskets and fell as a a result of that.
1: Uh, Gilberto Silver, isn't there the argument that if we had really wanted to solve the goalkeeping problem this summer, we could have done so? Uh, Schwarz uh, by pretty much everybody's admission, is a decent goalkeeper, but pretty, very much a journeyman who's, who's made his way from Bradford to Middlesbrough to Fulham. Uh, and at a point in his career, when he's thinking about retirement, the chance comes to, to join Arsenal. So if we're willing to, uh, to bring in that kind of a goalkeeper, uh, it's not too much of a stretch to say that there are probably a number of goalkeepers like that uh, or of that quality throughout Europe that we, that we could have got. If we'd really wanted to solve this problem, Uh, We could have done it much earlier in the summer.
4: Uh, I I actually agree with that. And I think that the fact that Schwarzer was the the sole or the primary target tells us a lot. I think it tells us that Arsene wanted somebody, if he was going to move for a goalie, I think he wanted someone principally with Premier League experience. But the fact that Schwarzer was the man that he looked at so closely suggests, A, he didn't want to spend a vast amount of money, which shouldn't surprise anybody, but B, that he was looking at a goalkeeper of a certain age, I think that he has, despite what we think, despite what the fans think, despite what any sane person might think, a lot of faith uh, in our young goalkeepers. And that includes Lucas Fabianski, as well as the much more promising Wojciech Sesny. Uh, and I think that Schwartz's age at 37, he looked at him as someone who could come in and be a custodian of the role for the next year or two, more likely, uh, and see a younger goalie through. Uh, I don't think that he wanted to pay big money for a 23-, 24-, 25-year-old keeper when he still believes, rightly or wrongly, in the guys in the squad.
1: Mm. Uh, Fabianski, of course, is a, a subject that we'll come to in a little while. But good player, if I can come to you right now. Um, Schwarzer hasn't happened. Uh, we're now left with Manuel Almunia in goal. And has had to, to live with the the, uh, the knowledge that Arsenal have been looking for a new number-one goalkeeper. Um he, he seems to have come through it quite well in the early stages. Do you think this is going to affect him in a negative way, in the sense that he knows that, uh, in, a, in a way, maybe he's living on borrowed time? Or will he be more assured now, uh, because at least until January, he knows if he plays well, he's going to stay in the team?
5: I don't know. I mean, I'd just to be manual. I mean, it's kind of someone who looks inside his head. It's, it's a very good question. It could go one or two ways. Some people will react to this kind of thing by by really getting down and, and, and being worried about the lack of confidence. Others I was, I would was almost see it as an incentive, basically, to prove the manager wrong and to show him wrong, that, to show him he shouldn't have been after someone else and to know that they've got four or five months uh, up until January, four months or whatever it is, to actually uh, change his mind and show him that, you know, he, he's up to it. So you don't know what kind of government... It's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, if anyone's undermined their confidence, it's, it's Renger himself. So. It's hard to know how it's going to pan out. We have to remember that is not the worst goalkeeper years ago. He did have a very decent season. Uh, my fear is that the defence don't entirely trust him at all. So, you know, well, I think that could prove to be a problem.
1: All right. Um, you talk about the defence trusting the keeper. Maybe there's something to be said that, that changing the the uh, the, the defence and the way we defend might well bring out more from, from the goalkeeper. Obviously, we've, we've lost three, four central defenders who were at the club maybe this time uh, or last season in Campbell, Galas, Sylvester and Senderos have all gone. Uh, Man from East Lord, do you see perhaps the arrivals of Cassiani and Scilacci, um maybe aiding the goalkeeper in the sense that uh, the, there might be a, a better uh, defensive ethic throughout the team?
6: uh well it's very hard to say at this stage isn't it because um you lost like you said yourself campbell and gallas very very experienced and uh i'm not quite sure uh whether just the change of personnel will will make that different but it it might i mean I, I think the other worry for me would be not just what what effect it has on Almunia, but you know uh, um the opposition will also look at the fact we haven't signed someone and go for the old um achilles heels of, of both of our keepers and uh and so, you know, Almunia himself needs to improve drastically. He's not so much. I mean, the defense in front of him needs to help too, but he needs to improve drastically himself um, so that people don't consider, you know, him a weak, a weak point. So he's got a, a lot of
1: pressure on him, I think. Uh, okay. The the pressure that's put on him, of course, is is uh, by the fact that everyone knows that he wanted to be replaced. In a way, the manager has sort of made a rod for his own back and for Almunia's back because we know keepers make mistakes all the time. and and I'll stay with you, man, for me slower on this one. We know keepers make mistakes all the time. Uh, But uh, the minute Almunia does anything that costs us a goal, the the public reaction is going to be quite vociferous. And some of the stuff that I was reading, you know, um, when the transfer window closed and on some of the sites and some of the blogs and comments and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, there are a lot of very, 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 unhappy Arsenal fans because he hasn't bought a goalkeeper. So when a mistake is made, the goalkeeper is going to get it in the neck. If the mistake costs us a game, the manager is going to get it in the neck. I mean, he must be aware of that. No.
6: Yeah. You'd think so. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, But it's absolutely, it's absolutely true. You know, he, he, uh, by not signing someone, he's put his faith, presumably in uh, Almunia, And, um, it's over. It's over to him, and and Vengen must know he'll get it in the in the neck, so to speak. But uh, I guess it. it I'd almost it, that that's one of the reasons, almost why um, Schwarzer would have been a good deal, because even though he might not be, you know, the world class sort of late twenties keeper that some people had hoped for, he would have just represented a change and and um, and a new and a, and a fresh start. But you know, it wasn't to be. So yeah, I think it's going to be difficult if Almunia makes the smallest error, there'll be rumblings out. It's not a nice uh, situation to be in, but you know, it, it
1: hopefully it will spur him on. Mm. Um, good player. The, the fear, I suppose, a lot of people will have, of course, is that uh, if Almunia gets injured, we, we turn to Lukasz Fabianski. And Lukasz Fabianski last season was uh, pretty much a disaster zone. Um, is the manager's faith in him justified in any way?
5: Well, I, I, I don't think he, faith in terms of what in terms of him being second choice rather than third or fourth choice, uh, arguably not. I mean, I don't think he does have a huge amount of faith in him from the point of view. Of he was definitely getting out to buy a goalkeeper this summer. I, I mean, I think what's interesting is that when you about well, the well, like, Blackpool game, and there's uh, every time Mourinho does something less than perfect, there's there's a lot of kind of history with that with the crowd and how they get on his back, and it's not right that they should. But, but in a way, that's the thing that Schorzer would have thought He would have brought come with a clean slate. As, as far as Saviansky goes, it's, it's a major problem. I mean, you know, it, it, the errors happen again and again and again. And, and frankly, how good a goalkeeper in training is, is the least important thing in the world. Frankly, because you know, you can be as good as you want as a goalkeeper in training, but it's so much of goalkeeping. More than any other position, is mental concentration. Um, every error you make is so much more costly than than that of a striker. and uh, I don't know it's he's left he's left himself in a in a potentially difficult situation
1: Benga for later in the season I think. Hmm. Not as difficult perhaps uh, uh Gilberto Silva as it would have been had he not already signed a new contract. Um what what was your reaction to the manager's new contract when it was announced? Um were you surprised uh that it was such a long contract for a start or you know I I honestly thought that they'd wait closer to the end of this season before that was uh, before that was done
4: so did I I, I felt that Arson talked so much he's, I mean it's been the same for the last few years now but he's talked repeatedly about the fact that it, it's the season that this team must deliver you know it's time for them to step up and there's only so many times that you can say that and make that commitment uh without it bearing any fruit and I felt that this season he knew Uh, From the things he was saying, I felt like he knew that his reputation was somewhat on the line with the faith that he's put in these players. And I expected him, I suppose, to test the water a little further. I do think it's a good thing. I think the speculation that would have surrounded his future as the season had progressed would have been a distraction and an unnecessary one at that. But I was a little surprised at how early he signed the deal. It's almost unprecedented. And I was a little surprised at the length of the deal. I thought as he reached this stage of his career we might see more sort of rolling contracts like the kind that Fergie's been having out of
1: <laughs> Over 30s, for example.
4: Well, exactly. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're 32 and you have to now have a, a one-year deal, Arsene Wenger picks himself up a four-year deal at <laughs> twice that age. But uh, I was a little bit surprised. I was happy. I think it brings stability. And I don't think, to be honest, if he feels he's not right for the job, I think he will walk away you know whether or not it's the end of his contract I know he likes to see it out but if he's leaving football and we're saying I'm I've not got it anymore I think that will be a different case I hope it doesn't come to that of
1: course mm. Gunnar Holic um staying with this point there is more than uh, more than any other time uh, pressure on the manager um, and there is very uh, definite Anti Arsene Wenger feeling amongst among some sections uh, of the of the fan base, and we can talk about them being overreacting or hysterical or whatever. But they, you know, these people have genuine opinions about our football club and and the way it's being run. Um, he does have a lot to prove this season, in particular. I think, especially in the light of not buying a goalkeeper.
3: Yeah, I'd I'd accept some of that. I, where I think he's not he where i think he's had a, a rod made for his back is that what we should have said in 2007 once finally we got rid of uh, the, the the Thierry Henry and kind of the links with the past was that if he'd come out and said look i'm going to give these 18, 19-year-olds ago, I'm going to build a new team, I'm not going to spend money that we haven't got on a new team, I think people would have given him time. People would probably have given him till now if he'd been able to say that. I don't think he was able to say that for all sorts of reasons that were not related to football. But yes, you can't deny that there are, I would I would argue, a, a very vociferous minority who are becoming very anti him or at least saying he has to come up with the goods this season or questions need to be asked. But I think it's it's kind of there's an element of perception to it. There's an element of a a message that was forced upon him, if you like, that's got him into this situation now where yeah, I actually I would kind of concur that if we don't pick up something this year, then questions do have to be asked. They have to show some sign of progress. That doesn't necessarily mean silverware. It means certainly being in contention until the end of the season, not blowing out six weeks from the end. It certainly means that if we do lose players, if the injuries continue to happen at the rate that they've happened, then in January he has to go and spend some of the money that the club has. But that's all if, if, if in the future. And I'm perfectly happy to give him the benefit of the doubt. From where we are now, I think we're, other than the goalkeeping situation, I think we're in a very, very good place.
1: Do you think we're in a stronger position than we were uh, this time last season? Yes, I do, in as much as we
3: have, um, we I think most people agreed this season we had to go out and buy a couple of central defenders. Now, I remain to be convinced about the quality of them, but we've gone out and bought a couple of them. We wanted a centre forward, we've gone out and bought a centre forward, and in my opinion, a damn good one, Uh the goalkeeping situation as i've said yes it's a cause for concern but we're going into the season with the same keepers that we had last season this time last season i thought we were going to be top 2 right now i believe we can still be top 2 this season whether we can be top 1 without a first class stopper i don't know but yeah i think we can be confident
1: all right let's look at the uh, the the squad uh, in a little more detail certainly in defence um we spoke about the, the players that have departed. Uh, we haven't really had a, a good chance, man, from Eastlore, to look at the players who have come in. Koscielny has come in and done, he did quite well against Liverpool, uh, had a bit of a tough time against Blackburn and was was caught out, I suppose, uh, in a way that maybe a, a defender who's got experience of the English league wouldn't have been. And uh, Scilacci has come in from Sevilla to add some experience to the defence, yet still we haven't seen Johan Juru this season. Um how do you how do you think we're fixed in that regard because I think in both fullback positions we're we're quite all right.
6: Um I'm, I'm cautiously uh, happy with the uh, with with the two players he's brought in. I
1: think um you know
6: and we've said before there's a lot of scrutiny um uh, online and everywhere now um for people to sort of come good immediately but there always used to be a rule that you know you'd give people a few months even six months to get bedded in. Um maybe six months is too long but I, I think it's way 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 too soon to judge um Koscielny, i think he's had a pretty solid start and obviously we haven't seen um uh, Toto Squalacci uh, but uh, i i think I'm, I'm quite confident he's very experienced i think he'll do a good job i think Koscielny's done pretty well so far um whether you know whether losing Gallas.
0: hi this is rachel fisher and this is desi Jenikin, and we host the hollywood crime scene podcast We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC Plus, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC Plus. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
6: We'll tell. Well, I mean, we'll see. But uh, I, I like what I've seen so far. I think um, I think we look. You know, we got four four central defenders. Um, if you count the cropped jury. I think we're looking okay there. To be honest, uh,
1: Gilberto Silva. We've looked at defence, so let's let's have a quick look at the midfield. And Nasri was the standout performer in pre season, and everyone thought he was going to be the man. Uh, particularly as Sesc was coming back late. Um, he got injured, as is the Arsenal way, and we've seen Rositki step up, which is a, a quite a nice surprise, I have to say. But also Jack Wilshire, um has been involved in all three league games, uh, which is a real show of the manager's faith in him.
4: It is, and it comes off the back of a, a really impressive pre-season yet again from Wilshire for the third year in a row. Last couple of summers, he was involved with the team all the way through, and then when it came to the crunch, didn't get into the first 11 for the competitive games. And last year... He went out to Bolton, but he's come back. He looks a more mature player. He looks very physically combative. He always was, but he looks strong on the ball. He's playing a quite a deep role in midfield, which is quite surprising. But it's a great learning curve for him. And I think it seems mad now that we ever considered letting him go back to Bolton. He's in the squad, and I think he's probably nipped ahead of the likes of danielson in the pecking order. And I think that's only a good thing. He's clearly a big, big part of Arsenal's future and probably England's.
1: Gunnar Hollick as well. We have to remember that we've got uh, we've got Aaron Ramsey to come back as well at some point, probably later this year, but certainly into the new year. He'll be looking to come back and and make an impact. And perhaps the uh, the generation of um, I know Ramsey's a, a talent that we brought uh, we bought and brought into the club, but there is a generation of young English players uh, that are coming through at Arsenal now, and it's the the fruit of the academy and all the all the work that has been done over the years by Liam Brady and his staff. Um you know, I, we all accept football as a, 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 an international game now and Europe has broken down the boundaries. But it is nice to see uh, young English talent make the breakthrough at Arsenal.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and if for no other reason than the fact that it's a stick that's used to beat us over the head so many times, but, you know, I I fully agree when people say it doesn't matter where your passport's from, but you have to also temper that with the fact that we have spent an awful lot of money developing the academy in this country with the facility that's over in Essex as well and all the work that the lads do up at Shenley. And like you say, it, it's great to see now it looks as though we're going to get... Um, It's not the first fruits of that, but probably the first time that we've had more than one or two players coming through at a time from there. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Like you say, when Aaron Ramsey comes back, well, you've got Ramsey now challenging Jack Wilshere and Dan Nilsson for the same berth that actually isn't vacant if you've got everybody else fit, but we know that we don't have everybody fit. You've also got the situation with Jay Emmanuel Thomas, who it seems has refused to go out on loan anywhere. He wants to stay and fight for his place. And nobody is quite yet clear of where his best position will be. And there is a school of thought that says he might make a damn good defensive midfielder. So, yeah, with Gibbs coming along as well, I'm a little bit surprised that perhaps uh, we haven't seen more of Lansbury in pre-season and during the early games. But, yeah, there's this great clutch of players who is going to be the basis, I think, of the England side four years from now. Whether they're all going to still be with Arsenal is another matter because there are a lot of good players ahead of them, but they're not always fit players, and situations will change from month
1: to month. And mm. for um, from your Laura. What it does, of course, is keep uh, players like Diaby, for example, and Rositsky and Nasri, and even, dare we say it, Cesc Fabregas, um when they know that there's young hungry talent coming up behind them, uh, it makes a difference to how you, I'm not, so I don't suppose it makes any real difference to your motivation week in, week out, but you know, it keeps you on your toes a bit. Well, it's not just
6: that it's young, uh, hungry talent. It's that they're good enough. And I think that's the, where the change has been. Uh, they're genuinely good enough to, um, to, to, to push on a lot of these players. Uh, so that's really, really exciting. And, uh, any any competition is is, is got to be a good thing, and um, it go, you know goes back to the point about the the goalie. Um, you know, buying him in for a couple of years ha- had we got Schwartz. I'm not sure I buy that either. I think ultimately the more competition, the better, ir- irrespective of the age. And uh, if it spurs them all on to play better, that's brilliant, and so so it should be. Um, I just hope Ramsey comes back as. Uh, um, as good as he was looking before his injury. Mm.
1: Let's uh, touch on, before we look at the four positions, let's touch on Cesc Fabregas, and I'll stay with you. Um, he was taken off against Blackburn, and it wasn't long before the, well, he didn't really look like he wanted to be there. Uh, people started uh, uh, spouting off. Uh, that's something we're just going to have to live with, though, I think, this season, isn't it?
6: It is. It is. And uh, the only way that the, those rumours um, will die down is is uh, is in the way he plays on the pitch. So yeah, let's just give him a bit of time. He's only been back a few weeks, and uh, if if he's still looking lacklustre in January, or well, maybe even before, then then you might have a, a case to answer. But I honestly don't think that will be the, the case. I, I think he'll be fine. And but it was probably inevitable that 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 uh, people would look extra closely at him, given what happened in the summer.
1: Gilberto Silver uh, forward positions and Shamak. Uh, has come in. Eduardo's gone out, which was a bit sad, but Schemack has come in. And uh, I suppose when he has Bentner fit and Van Persie fit, and I know this is probably a bit fanciful to even consider that they might all be fit uh, at the one time. Um, He's got three very effective forward players there um, who he's going to find difficult to fit into, uh, into the same team. Um, What have you made of Schemack start? And, you know, would he, I know people spoke last season, you know, the, the, that Wenger wouldn't go out and pay the money for him when he knew he could get him for free. And maybe that would have made the difference. Would Shamak have made the difference last season? And, and what, what does he bring to the team that perhaps Bentner can't yet?
4: Well, I think uh, for one, he's got a much better injury record. I mean, Chamack played a lot of games for Bordeaux, um, depending on what you believe on Twitter. And I'd suggest probably don't believe anything. Bentner could be out for some time <laughs> still. So having Shamak around is a great thing. I- Obviously, last season he would have been a massive bonus because we were at a point where we were playing, you, you know, the pygmy in the middle. Andrea Charvin was playing up front, uh, which was a, a, a nightmare period. I mean, he sort of tried for a bit and then quite clearly gave up when one could almost understand why. Uh, with Chamak, he brings so much physical presence. I was impressed by him in pre season. Uh, he's had a good start, scored a great header uh, in his on his home debut, great as a sub last week. He gives us an option that is different to Van Percy. But what he gives us that Van Persie also brings is someone who can hold the ball and retain the ball in the final third, and I think it's a great signing and a huge, huge boost because, as we've already seen this season, Robin is liable to miss games.
1: <laughs> uh, same as it ever was. I mean, let's leaving aside then the whole uh, the the goalkeeping issue. Uh, are, you know as a as a trio a triumvirate? Are you are you happy enough with the makeup of the squad? Is does anyone feel we're missing something from somewhere?
6: Uh shall I, well I mean I I I veer wildly from being hugely optimistic and being a little bit pessimistic but maybe that's just my nature. I think we've got a very strong squad um with a few question marks I don't need to uh we've already spoken about them but but by and large I'm really really I'm really pleased with what we've got and and how we've started and um uh it's going to be an exciting season I don't know. I don't know uh whether we will have the strength to to win the league but I think we've got a a, a really good chance to uh, compete very well
1: what do you reckon? I think there's
3: one other concern uh, that probably most people would share is that if anything happens to Alex Song, we were just talking uh, and, and full of praise for Wilshire for playing back there, for DRB for, for playing a little bit deeper in early season. But at the same time, these these two are not doing the job that Song does for us. And if he is missing for any length of time I wonder just who's going to be able to come in and produce what he produces for a side that dreams of winning the championship. Mm. That's my only fear.
1: Isn't it a case though that that maybe last season we were playing with Song as as the only holding midfielder, and this season uh, the way it looks is that we've we've started with this uh, double pivot thing. Uh, with two slightly deeper uh, central midfielders and, and let's say, Rosicki or Cesc, uh playing in that, in that role ahead. So uh, while Song remains obviously an important player, uh, you know, he's not uh, tasked with the entire responsibility of shielding the back four.
3: I agree entirely with that but I think it's kind of been forced, not forced on us but we've been allowed to do it because until Saturday we didn't have both Van Persie and Shamak available and I think what Saturday showed us is that if they're both available, we have to find some way of getting them onto the pitch, which may cost you one of those deeper lying players. I suspect what will probably happen in the end is that Van Persie will find himself, or the two of them will find themselves alternating between one of the flank positions and in the middle. But, of course, this weekend, this Saturday, that wasn't an option because of the form that Walcott's been in
6: yeah.
3: um, because the boss decided that our Shavin gives us something on the left that nobody else does. I, I thought it was a bit harsh on Shamik, but that's another subject altogether. So, yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to be playing with two deep-lying midfielders all season is my main point.
1: Gilberto Silver, thoughts on that?
4: Well, I agree. I think, actually, the, the thing that... That, that seals it for me is that we've not yet seen an Arsenal team with Sammy Nasri and Cesc Fabregas fit I do think that Arsenal will toy with the idea of playing them both in the middle they've been so good there and I think that if you're doing that and then you're looking at how am I sort of adding some steel you've probably only got room for one of Song or Diaby and it'll be Song from those three so I think we could see that in some home games what worries me about the squad is less that defensive midfield area because I agree that to an extent that you can pack it out with numbers. What worries me is more at the back. Uh, I think we've signed two centre-backs who are undoubtedly good players, Laurent Koscielny and Sebastian Scalacci. They come with some degree of pedigree, but they've both got pedigree in Europe and not in England. The Giroud barely strung a, you know, a few games together in the Premier League. If anything, God forbid, were to happen to Thomas Vermaelen, we do not really know what we have at the back. We have three unknown quantities and whether two of those could combine to form an effective enough partnership, I just don't know. Uh, if we'd signed a defender of Premier League experience an, a known quantity, I'd feel slightly more secure. Mm. I just hope that Thomas Vermalen continues to look you know, as hardy and resistant to injuries he has for the majority of his Arsenal career.
1: Mm, I mean, the, the same argument could have gone this time last year when we said, well, we've no idea what this Vermalen bloke is like, and we've just sold Colo Touré. And True. after that, we've got, you know, Senderos, who was on his way to Everton, and that didn't happen, and, and Mikael Sylvester. So I think generally, in terms of the central defensive area, we, we're, uh, we're we're perhaps better off than we were this time last year. And is an interesting one, I think, because uh, he's just gone 30 Um, he's played in France, he's played in Spain, has done well in the Champions League, has has played in a team that's gone all the way to the Champions League. And I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, to see Scalacci play more in the Champions League than Koscielny, certainly at the start of the season.
4: That wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, like I say, this is a guy who's played Champions League football, he's played a Champions League final, he's got caps for France, Koscielny is uncapped and only has one season of top flight football behind him. So, in those big, big games, in those big arenas it wouldn 't surprise me to see Arsene plump for the experience, man
1: all right, man um, from East Laura, very quickly before we before I come to the final uh, part of this uh, theo walcott 's start to the season is better than I think uh, any of us expected. Um, he spoke in the summer about reacting to being left out of fabio capello 's squad, and I read the article. Uh, after he did the press conference with um, with England and he spoke about how he stays behind doing extra training with Sanya. They're practicing the overlapping. They're firing in crosses at Shamak. Um, do you think perhaps there was a, a, a sense, maybe not entirely his fault, that it all came a bit easy for him in the sense that, you know, at 17 years of age, he was plucked from Southampton and a big fee paid for him and brought to the World Cup and all of a sudden he has a reputation um which isn't based on what he's done on on the football pitch and maybe the the uh the omission from England's world cup squad regardless of of how England did uh, in South Africa was possibly one of the best things that could have happened to him
6: yeah i i think um i think it's probably also if you look at how England actually performed in the world cup and it was a blessing in disguise but yeah he, he big he was a most expensive teenager um and you know of all time uh he uh, he was in the world cup when he probably shouldn't have been so there was a lot of pressure on him but at the same time um i do think at, at 21 it's 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 too easy to uh too easy and too soon to write someone off at 21 and um you're just learning your trade still so uh this knockdown added determination and an extra year on his belt you know it's, it's all looking good for him and uh i'm really glad that he's uh he's come back he's got to stay fit that's the main thing because uh, he's been too injury prone and he's been too stop start and if he stays fit I think it's it's looking really really promising for him
1: all right well let's um let's come to the final part of it then um holic if I can ask you I'm gonna ask you all the same question can this arsenal squad win the league
3: uh, uh yes I'm gonna say absolutely yes because you're asking me can they win it uh, okay. Would have asked me, do I think they're going to win it, I have to say I would err 70-30 against because of the goalkeeping issue and because of my fear what ha- might happen if anything were to happen to Song. But let me, people would be upset if I wasn't upbeat about the answer to this question. <laughs> so let me just say where where I was this time last season, I made the hideous mistake of discounting Manchester United from the calculations and I said I thought we would finish top two. Mm. Uh, and it worked out the team I expected to win it won it. This season, I also thoroughly expect us to finish top two, but I wouldn't choose between either Chelsea or Manchester United to be the biggest rival. I don't think they'll both be there, but I do think that we and one of them will be in the hunt. Uh, Whether we get the final, the top spot, is anybody's guess. That's what happens when you, the nerves build in March, April, mm. May. But from where we are now, yes, we absolutely can win it, and we will be competitive.
1: All right, uh, Gilberto Silver, are your thoughts on that, and and possibly some some European thoughts. I think. Uh,
4: well, I think we are capable of winning the league. Certainly, um, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that we will, uh, but we have the capacity. I think we'll need a bit of luck and a few players to pick up their performances, particularly the goalkeeper, and we'll need to protect him better than we have in previous seasons. Uh, on the European front, you know, it's it's anybody's game. It's a cup competition. And we were unlucky last year in that we drew a team who were playing phenomenal football. And I, I can't think of a side mm. uh, who, who would have been able to withstand them. Honestly, they were quite outstanding. And also they were probably the worst team for us to play because as much as you can say, well, we could attack them, we could get at them, we're not a team who's going to sit back and, and part the bus, you know, in the way that Inter Milan did. We're just not really capable of that kind of football. Yeah. Uh, if we get lucky with the right draw, we've got plenty of motivation. It'd be great to be in a London Champions League final. And uh, it just, it's just a question of who we play, but the group stage certainly,
6: you know, bodes well.
1: Uh, man for me, Laura.
6: Uh, I, I think we will be more competitive than we were last year. We, I hope we will stand the pace a bit better, but,
1: but we'll, hang on, we, sorry to interrupt you, but when you say stand the pace, we were well, more or less in it until exactly. the final four games. So you're talking about just keeping it going right till the well, final we, day of we the were season. More,
6: we were more or less in it, but we, we sort of had, we t- sort of, we, we were out of it a couple of times during the season and fought back. Um, and I, I just think we'll be a bit more, um,
1: consistently competitive uh, yeah, I think
6: it's a bit more consistent I, I, I really do think we will another year under the belt of a lot of these players and um, so I'm expecting us to be up there near the end I, I really am as to whether we will win it I mean, I'm not going to go and say we'll win it I, I, I actually think we probably won't but as long as we're up there fighting and um, uh, at the end I'll, I'll, be, I'll be happy I think, I think that's really all you can ask for there's no guarantees are there
1: no absolutely not alright well listen gents uh, thank you very much for your time Gunnar Hollick. thank you Thank you very much, Bloggs. Uh, Gilberto Silver from Gunnarblog.com. Thank you. Uh, the man from East Lower. No problem. You're welcome. And lost somewhere in a train tunnel in Berlin is a uh, is good player. I don't know what happened to him. We lost him along the way, but uh, apologies for that. Um, thanks, gents. We'll talk to you all soon.
6: All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: My thanks to the guys. You can find them all at their respective blogs, gunnarholic.com, gunnarblog.com, eastlower.co.uk. And GoodPlayer.com. And apologies to GoodPlayer for losing him about halfway through that. He was abroad and it could have been roaming, could have been train tunnels, could have been solar flares. But I suspect he found himself a sexy party. And sure, who would blame him? At some point this season, I'm going to try and do a live arse cast. Frightening and all as that might be. A live arse cast in which we can discuss things and take phone calls without being... Talk sport or 606 or anything dreadful like that. This is the Arsenal blogosphere, after all, the center of the known universe. So we'll try and do it well and proper. Uh, the only problem I have is I have no idea whatsoever how to do it. So I'll have to investigate that a little further. If you have any uh, ideas or if you do know how that can be done... Uh, feel free to drop me an email, thearsblog at arsblog.com. The arsblog at arsblog.com. Uh, that's the email address. So there isn't anything happening next week other than to hope all our players come back from international duty. 16 of them away. Let's hope they all come back uninjured and ready to continue where we left off against Blackburn. I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast and, of course, in the meantime, on the blog every day. Uh, have yourselves a great
2: weekend. Cheers. Bye bye. I was sitting there watching reruns of Boston Legal, wishing I was Denny Crane when he walked into the office, tall and French with his glasses. What do you want? I said. I need you to do a job for me. I'm thinking of signing a guy for my football team, but I need the lowdown, the inside info. I need you to get it for me. All right, I said. I'll call you when I got something. So I followed the guy around for a week. Man, he's stone cold sober. Works hard, good professional. Loves his wife and kids. I can't find a thing wrong with him until he stopped outside a shop one day and I got a blast of his car stereo. I went back to the office and called the French guy. I think you better listen to this, I said. What is it, he said. "Uh, I just don't have the words. You listen, we'll talk afterwards. I hit play.
1: completely coming in Lord. Almighty
2: Jesus fucking Christ he said yeah I said I'm sorry to break it to you like this no don't be sorry he said you saved me a lot of money yeah I said that's what I do